This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle app. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hot Stove for 2021. I'm Rick Riz along with Gary Hill, and the hot stove, Gary, is really heating up here in the month of February. The equipment truck loaded up last week and headed south to sunny Peoria, Arizona. And one week from tomorrow, pitchers and catchers report to the Valley of the Sun for another spring training. Tonight, we're going to have a chance to visit with Mariners assistant GM and vice president of baseball operations, Justin Hollander. Along with other special guests, we'll visit with Mariners infielder, outfielder Dylan Moore, had a breakout year last year. We'll also visit with Mariners Director of International Amateur Scouting, Frankie Thon Jr. We'll also have a visit with uh, the play-by-play voice on radio for the Houston Astros, Steve Sparks. Always fun to visit with Sparky. And we'll also have our weekly chat with the one and only Shannon Dreher. Gary, the forecast for the rest of the week here in the Pacific Northwest calls for some chilly temperatures and even maybe a little bit later on in the week some snow. But right now I'm starting to warm up just thinking about the start of another spring. At least we have a little sunshine today. That's not yeah. too bad as we sat here at the ballpark earlier today and the sun was out, which was nice. But, yeah, it's going to be a little warmer down south when we get there. And that that's getting closer and closer, right? Just a handful of days away. Can't wait. Are your bags packed and ready to go? Yeah, my, my bags are gone. They're there. They're waiting for me. <laughs> I tell you what, there's going to be so many great stories that we'll talk about. You know, those stories with Justin Hollander. But, you know, yeah. you get so pumped up at this time of the year. You can't wait to get down there and start to visit with the guys and and talk about, uh, you know, how that ball club is going to look like this year after the 2020 season. Yeah, a lot of challenges, too, to begin. And we'll talk a little bit about that with Justin is, you know, just organizationally, there, there's so much work, especially for this year. I mean, there's always work that goes into getting spring training going and getting yeah. things ready and organized, but it's even more so this year with all the protocols and everything else. Just so much work going into it, and it'll be interesting to hear uh, Justin talk about that. But, you know, we were able to do it last year, get through mm-hmm. 60, and I, the hope is, fingers crossed, as we move through this season, the, the conditions all around us for, for all of us in real life get better and better and better as we move through this thing. And I don't know, we'll see what uh, we'll see what the summer has in store for us. Yeah, hopefully everybody stays safe and healthy. Yeah. We have a full 162 schedule here in 2021. So Gary and I are getting ready for spring training. We're going to get you ready, too, because we're going to visit, coming up with assistant GM Justin Hollander. We'll talk about what the 2021 Mariners are going to look like this year. Hot Stove continues right after this timeout. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. And welcome back to our first hour of Hot Stove with our very special guest, Mariners assistant GM, Justin Hollander, and vice president of baseball operations. Justin, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. We've got an exciting few weeks coming up here, getting ready for spring training. I can't wait. I'm so excited. It feels like the offseason went by in a blink, and I'm so excited, hopefully, to, to get to camp starting next week. So when do you pack your bags and when do you get down there? And uh, tell us a little bit about the protocols for everybody, everybody in the front office and especially the players to stay safe uh, this spring. So obviously, I think everyone knows that there going to be much stricter protocols than we would normally have for a spring training. I, uh, I'm packing my bags on Sunday. Uh, I think I have the first flight out on Monday morning. Uh, really excited to get down to Arizona. Uh, once we get there, everybody will go through uh, an intake. They'll take two different COVID tests uh, and then they'll go home. And we'll sit and we'll wait until we clear. Yeah. 
hopefully everyone clears by the 17th, which is our first day on the field uh, for pitchers and catchers. Uh, and then once we get there, obviously it'll be a, a smaller group than normal in terms of staff around, a bigger group than normal for players. Uh, when we're at full capacity, we'll have 75 players in camp. Uh, that's the MLB limit this year. And then we'll have 75 staff members as well, uh, which sounds like a lot. But when you start thinking about how many you usually have, it's much, much greater than 75. I would say it's closer to 100, 125 on a normal year. So we've had to make some changes and cut down on some auxiliary staff members and just make sure that, you know, we're keeping it as safe as possible to limit everyone's exposure and try and get through camp as best we can. Without, you know, we see in games all the time, minor leaguers come over and play in the ball games. How do you think that's going to affect things as we move through spring on the field? Uh, I think one of the biggest changes, we're not going to have split squads this year. Mm. Um, and obviously, those are the days when you see 30 or 35 mm-hmm. minor league players come over uh, and you know, your regulars play two or three innings at, uh, each game. And then you, you split off and you have some of your young, exciting prospects finish the game. We just won't have that this yeah. year. There is no minor league camp going at the same time. So minor league camp is you know probably going to start sometime in early April uh, after major league camp ends when the big league season starts. So we'll just proceed with you know one bigger group of 75. Typically, we've had... 63, 64, 65 players. So we've built a little buffer with 10 or so extra players to help us get through the days where you're back-to-back days Mm -hmm. and somebody fouled a ball off their foot or somebody's hamstring sparking or somebody's a little sore just to give us enough bodies to get through the camp. Justin, you just talked about, you know, what it's going to be like when you guys get down to Peoria, Arizona to get ready for spring training 2021. Tell the fans what it's been like over the last three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks to get ready for spring training, to get the guys that you want uh, down there at spring training to take a look at what your ball club is going to look like this year. A lot, a lot of work. Of, a lot of planning, a lot of contingency planning and contingencies for contingencies. We weren't really sure uh, up until the last couple of days what the protocols were going to look like, what the limits would be, and really what the season would look like, both at the major league level and the minor league level. Um, so Jerry is as prepared as anyone, and he's had three or four different series of rosters depending on if we have just the big leagues in an alternate site if we have the big leagues in triple a if we have all the full season baseball rosters how we want to make sure we get the appropriate development spread out for all of our players because it's not just the big league team it's not just those 26 players it's obviously your 40-man roster and then the other 150 players in your minor league system that you're you're trying to do the right thing for and you're trying to best prepare them for not only this season but the rest of their career so we've we've been planning a lot uh obviously still free agency is ongoing it was a later market this year a slower market than normal so on top of the spring training protocols, this is usually a time of year where I kick my feet up and enjoy my family. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that, that didn't happen Not this year. Happen. Uh, you know, we've been going roughly since the season ended with some form of off-season planning and 2021 planning, and, and we're still doing it today. You talk about the development and the complication, of course, is last year you have a number of guys that were didn't take the field in in you know a, a game way. How do you go about thinking about that and where you assign guys and just the mechanics of that when you're thinking big picture and development? There are no right answers, and that's yeah. one thing that's been hard for a lot of us to, to struggle through is our, our experience and our intuition. In this area, we're almost we're flying blind a little bit because nobody's ever experienced what we experienced last year, which is just no minor league season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how we approach development with what is a huge part of our future with Jared Kelnick, with Julio Rodriguez, with George Kirby or Logan Gilbert. One, trying to make sure that they are developed properly so that when they get to the big leagues, they're in a position to succeed. Uh, and two, also for the pitchers, making sure that we don't break them. Um, you know, yeah. we, we, it's something that we have to deal with all over the system last year is coming to grips with the fact that if Logan Gilbert threw 30 innings last year and George Kirby threw 10, 
through 10 innings last year. You can't really pile on 140 innings to those guys this year in a responsible way and think that's a good long-term decision for them. So that has been a big part of our focus this year, both with our high performance group, our medical and strength and conditioning people, as well as our, our pitching coordinators and pitching strategists is just to make sure that we're being very measured and careful because these guys are our future and we have to be responsible with their development. Visiting with Mariners assistant GM, Justin Hollander. Justin, when that 2020 season ended, it was uh, one of the most un- unbelievable years in the history of Major League Baseball because of COVID-19, a 60-game season. When the season was over, there were some really positive things. You know, Kyle Lewis, American League Rookie of the Year, and a couple Gold Glove winners, and J.P. Crawford and Evan White and Dylan Moore had a heck of a year. When the season was over, what was the number one thing on your checklist for you, Jerry, and the guys in the front office and ladies uh, to to get ready for spring training 2021? That's a great question. Um, I think the biggest thing was continue the ascent that we thought we made last year. We don't want st- to go backwards. We want to keep going forward. I think if you had laid out all the things that happened between September of 2018 and October of 2020, everything in terms of our rebuild went about as well as you could have hoped. We made some really good trades, we think, to add young talent to the system. We had some internal surprises, some some guys who were maybe better than we thought or ran with an opportunity and stepped up maybe faster than we thought. Um, some nice free agent additions like Dylan Moore signing on a, uh, as a minor league free agent on a major league deal. Yeah. Austin Nola, who was a great piece of what we were doing and we were able to, to trade and turn into to four players. Like Those are all really positive developments for the long term of the Mariners. Making sure that we made this opportunity about conti- or this off season about continuing the opportunities uh, to take advantage of the opportunities that we'd really done a great job of, you know, in the draft, in free agency, in international free agency, in team building and roster building. So we really just didn't want to leave food on the table, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it. This is kind of in the weeds, but I've been thinking about this. Uh, Dylan Moore is a great example. It seems like the last few years, as this process has gone on, you've always left l- a room on the 40-man at some point for players like Dylan Moore to see if they'll run with an opportunity. And, hey, look at what you have. I mean, that gets a little more tricky, right, as you accumulate talent onto the 40-man. And all of a sudden, you're, you're making really difficult decisions, which is where you want to be, frankly. But uh, how do you think about leaving room for opportunity guys like Dylan Moore moving forward as this process continues and the 40 man really starts to burst. 40 man bursting is a good problem yeah, to have. Right. Um, you know, I think yeah. the best teams in the league are, are often the most talented and the deepest. It requires a lot of talent, not just your starting lineup to get through a 162 game season. And then what we hope is playoffs and world series eventually. Um, I don't really believe that you you can block opportunity. The best players tend to rise, mm. but I do think you know innings and at bats are the most valuable thing we can provide players. And being cognizant that if we believe in someone, we have to carve out some sort of role for them to get those innings and at bats. As you remember, Dylan Moore uh, was late to summer camp last mm. year. Only really played for three or four days before the season started, mm. and didn't play right away. Once we got into the season, he was still building up strength. And his ascent last year is a product of his own hard work, his own talent, and also the opportunity that we were able to give him. Um, we're going to enter a phase at some point where those opportunities become less. I think that's this year. Um, the bar will just keep getting higher mm-hmm. and higher and higher and higher. I don't think there is a right answer from you know a 26-man roster, how to, how to design opportunity. But each individual player, uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about what is their, their present role, what's their upside, and how we can help them achieve that upside. Um, 
it's a little different for everybody. Dylan's a great example. Yeah. His opportunity came because he's so versatile. Yeah. He can do anything on the field. That allows us as an organization to be free to do a number of different things at different spots because if you have an everyday second baseman, Dylan can go play the outfield or he can play shortstop or third base. Roughly, he can do anything but catch. So it just gives you like his own opportunity is not solely dependent on being able to stand in one spot. That's an unbelievable luxury for a team like us. Seems like uh, guys are starting to fill in in other positions right now. Uh, Dylan Rand, he's, by the way, he's going to be our guest uh, later on in the program uh, tonight. And, and just what a tremendous kid, you know, growing up in Southern California. I, is he going to have a home, maybe a little bit steadier home at second base uh, this year and kind of run with that or still kind of move around when, when you need him? Uh, I think it's probably TBD. I, I think in a perfect world, you'd be so talented at every spot that you would just give Dylan the spot at second or at, in left field or at shortstop and on a different team that didn't have a gold glove or at shortstop and say, Dylan, you run with it. Um, the fact that he can do everything, again, just, you know, somebody needs an off day. Gil- Dylan can go do that thing. I think you'll still see him move around the field. I do think he'll play more second this coming year than he's played in previous years. I was thinking about your role and how. You know, it's nonstop, really. It, through the course of the year, you, you've got so much going on. The draft, you know, the season. The, what's your favorite part of the baseball calendar? The draft, uh, by far. Uh, everybody that works with me knows I'm a huge draft nerd. Uh, I love the draft. Um, I've always loved the draft. And it's probably a byproduct of how I came into baseball. I, I started with the Angels in 08. That was my first draft. I wasn't super involved, and we didn't have a pick forever. Tyler Chatwood was our first round, or our first pick that year, but I believe he's a third rounder for us. My second year was 09, um, and we took Mike Trout and Garrett Richards and Patrick Corbin that year. <laughs> so, that was good. a pretty good year. Really good uh, and Randall Gritchick, and you just you get a little spoiled with, this is fun, we get to add all these new players. <laughs> you took uh, Gritchick ahead of Trout. We did. Uh, we did. Uh, and Randall's a good player. He sort of gets unfairly yeah. worn out because he got taken in front of Trout. Randall's yeah. a good player. By but one, uh, one spot. Uh, but uh, he, uh, uh, the draft is draft is hope. The draft is about dreaming. It's it's organizational building. It's closing your eyes and imagining what it could look like five years from now if everything you hope this player is you know believes it. And people will know I, I'm a bit of a lunatic. We'll be in the eighth round that I'm I'm dialed in. Like the odds of any eighth rounder becoming anything are very low. But again, these are opportunities. It's opportunities yeah. to create value in your organization, either for your own organization or as trade assets. Uh, I love the draft. I, I would sit in the draft room for two months if they allow us to have two months <laughs> of the draft meetings. I love the draft and I love trades. I remember I went to the winter league uh, meetings, um, winter meetings one year in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I think it was 1976. And Bill Vack of the Chicago White Sox put a folding chair, a card tape table and a folding chair in the lobby of the hotel. And he had a little sign open for business. And everybody just came into him. You guys made a heck of a deal during the season with the San Diego Padres last year to acquire a lot of talent. Ty France really did a heck of a job in the second half of the season for the Mariners. And Luis Torrens got a lot of playing time with Tom Murphy hurt. And also Taylor Tremella, very talented young outfielder. And Andres Munoz, kid coming off Tommy John surgery, throwing 100 miles an hour, made his debut a few years ago with the Padres. Tell us a little bit about that, that to trade and what it does for your ball club. Are you a little surprised that Jerry hasn't set up a card table in front of the winter <laughs> meetings? Not a bad uh, idea. Put up the sign. Come on, let's uh, trade. A virtual card table. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, Andres, we're really excited about, obviously. That trade um, was one of the more unusual ones that I've ever been a part of. Um, you know, AJ Preller and the rest of the Padres front office was really persistent about wanting to find a way to get a deal done. And we just we kept saying no, 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 um, because of what Nola meant 
both on, on the field production and off the field makeup and, and clubhouse gravitas. And, you know, he stands for a lot of the things that we believe in, in terms of work ethic and preparation. Mm. Um, and they were just incredibly persistent and finally, you know, put enough pieces on the table that we felt like we had to do the right thing for the organization. You know, I, my own biases aside, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to do it until it got to a certain point where I was like, okay, now I'm <laughs> objectively like we have to do, we, we have to consider this. Um, and once we did start considering it, once we told them, okay, now we'll talk about it, it came together fairly quickly. Um, but it, it took a while to get us there because of of how much we love Noah and how much he brought to the table. Yeah. In terms of Andres, a uh, huge upside. I mean, I think people forget how young he is. He's just 22. Uh, he debuted at 20. Um, we're hopeful that, you know, come June or so, he'll be uh, fully recovered from Tommy John and back on the mound uh, at T-Mobile. Uh, and you, you can put any number you want on his upside in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, what his ultimate ceiling yeah. would be. He throws 100, 102. He's touched 104 before. He's got a, a wicked slider. Um, he's He has every characteristic you want from a, a wipeout dominant closer. Um, and to be able to get him uh, in this type of deal, it was, again, a cherry on top and just couldn't say no. This is probably an impossible question. How often, when you engage another team on a trade, how often, like what percentage do those actually go through to the finish line? Like, Point oh 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 one percent, and like everybody makes fun of me because I have hundreds of ideas written on my whiteboard, <laughs> or I'm emailing people in our Slack channel about different ideas, and they, uh, I always think they're good. You know, inevitably when you call the other team, you now nah, we didn't do that. <laughs> um, and as you know, like you know, we're very active traders, yeah. uh, so think how many ideas that must take relative to the the rest of the league. Um, I, it, it's a fun part of the game. Um, you do want to be responsible. You don't want to trade to trade. Mm -hmm. um, that makes you feel important as a front office person i don't know that you're always doing the right thing for the organization mm. just by making moves to make moves and we're really yeah. cognizant of that we do want to create stability long term we do think we have a group of players that we're, we're growing with that are going to be here for a long time um gold glovers guys who are in their early to mid 20s uh we want people in seattle to to grow up and be accustomed to you know i bought my evan white jersey and i'm gonna wear my evan white jersey mm -hmm. for the next decade um marco gonzalez is he's the guy who pitches opening day uh he He's our ace, and I, I think that's important um, from a, a fan building perspective. I also think it's important from a team building perspective um, that you have consistency in your messaging, yeah. that you have leaders that grow up and understand what the expectations are um, from the organization and can be the voices as opposed to it being Jerry or myself or Scott Service and the coaching staff. I think you need players who buy into what you do and are here and believe that they're going to be here. Yeah, you got a lot of players right now who actually really, really believe that. I want to talk to you about a couple of kids that you traded for over the last couple of seasons. Uh, Justice Sheffield coming over from the Yankees and the James Paxson trade and also Justin Dunn. Two key components in that starting rotation, you know, behind Marco Gonzalez, who, who leads the way. And we saw a lot from Justice Sheffield. And then Justin Dunn had that stretch where I don't think anybody was better than Justin over three starts, you know, in the American League last year, where he had six scoreless innings, not once but twice, with given up only one hit uh, what's it like for you and jerry to, to see those kids come over from another organization you throw your philosophy and your work ethic they already have a work ethic but you see their progress and do what they did last year knowing that they're gonna they're gonna be here for a long time what's that like for you I couldn't have been happier for Justice uh, coming off of the struggles he had in the previous season. I think he felt the burden of I'm replacing James Paxton mm -hmm. in a lot of ways in, in 19. And for him to come out and do what he did and add the two-seamer and, and really just the confidence, the swagger. Um, he's 
over-the-top competitor. Um, just watch what he did and how he grew last year. It was, it was awesome. I've never been a part of something like this with young players before. We never did it when I was in Anaheim, and we hadn't done it when I got to Seattle either. So to see young players mature and grow uh, is, is really fun. Uh, I think Justin is kind of in the place where Justice was uh, two years yeah. ago. Like Justice had the struggles in, in 19 and really took his game to the next level. Um, he saw what the big leagues was about. He made some changes and then went and attacked the league and showed them that I'm good enough. You know, Justin navigated really well last year. He showed that he's a competitor and that he wants to compete, even without his best stuff, even without his best command. Uh, and I think you'll see a much better, uh, more equipped version of Justin Dunn to go out and compete in the big leagues this year. Visiting with assistant GM Justin Hollander here on Hot Stove. We'll be back with more with Justin as Hot Stove continues right after these messages. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. And again, welcome back to Hot Stove 2021. Rick Riz along with Gary Hill visiting with Mariners Assistant General Manager Justin Hollander. And, uh, Justin, we talked about uh, some young pitchers in that starting rotation again let's go back to the rotation uh it's great to have a uh, an ace on your staff like marco gonzalez who was one of the best in the american league uh, last season seven and two and 11 and starts he just knows how to pitch he is a bulldog he's from gonzaga i want to talk to you though about the young man who you acquired uh from the korean baseball league last year chris flexen what can you tell us about Chris, and what he, does he bring the organization right now? Sure, absolutely. Uh, Marco, way underrated, by the way, yeah. league-wide. I, I don't understand why Marco doesn't get talked about in the company. Like He's he's doing it year over year over year. He's one of the best pitchers in the American League, and, and people consistently leave him out of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I know maybe it's because he throws 89, 90 miles an right. hour, but he, he gets you out. absolutely <laughs> deserves to be in that conversation. Um, on flex, uh, one of the priority guys for us this offseason, a guy that we targeted very early in the offseason, it wasn't an accident that he ended up in Seattle. Um, he's just 26 years old. That was really important to us uh, when we're building a young team. We wanted to acquire, if we we're going to acquire free agents, acquire free agents that could grow up with us, uh, that, that were in the general age demographic of our own players that we felt like had some upside to tap into. Um, Chris had been a, a younger debut in the big leagues with the Mets. Uh, always throwing strikes, always had good stuff uh, in the minor leagues and got to the big leagues and had a hiccup. Um, it happens to young players. He came straight from double A. Um, and we were excited uh, to see that he was available in that market. And in, in Korea, he'd gone and made some changes to even enhance the pitch qualities that we'd already seen. He threw a ton of strikes. He had really good secondary stuff. He threw a ton of strikes with his secondary stuff. And we also felt like there was some untapped upside and maybe some pitch usage changes that we would make. Uh, he did a great job over there. He was by far the best pitcher in the league last year. Again, it's not an easy place to pitch all the time. And he was you know, just 26 years old to be able to get him on a multi-year deal uh, at what we thought was a fair rate. Um, it seemed like a no-brainer for us early in the offseason to do that. I'm glad you started with Marco, and I'm glad you yeah. said what you said about him. I. I was disappointed he didn't end up getting Cy Young votes last year. I, I thought the award was pretty clear-cut who would win it. But after that, I mean, there was a pile of guys that had really good seasons, and Marco was in that mix. He just continues to get better and better. He's been so effective. In your view, what makes him so good? I think he knows who he is. Uh, his belief in himself is you know, top of the scale. He knows exactly what he can do uh, and what he can execute. And then he goes and does it. Um, and if he doesn't execute, he gets mad at himself and <laughs> executes, it, executes it on the next pitch. Um, 
I, I think Marco is a great example. Like if I offered you two the chance to take either a true false test or a multiple choice test, I would hope you guys would take the true false test. It's just easier. You only have two <laughs> options when you're a hitter in the box. Every every pitch is a multiple choice test for Marco because they know he can throw any pitch in any count. He can land yeah. any pitch in any spot in the zone. He is one of the best versions of a player who knows exactly what he's good at and executes it over and over and over again. And he does it every time. Um, he is so relentless in his preparation. Um, he studies what he does well and what the other team doesn't do well, as well as anybody we have. Um, again, his preparation is just off the charts and his ability to carry into a game is off the charts. And, you know, combine all that with what I think is an elite competitor um, and someone who just his will to win is great and that's the, the results are what yeah. you see and again I just think he's so underrated league wide people oh, Marco Gonzalez like yeah, he's a four starter you are out of your mind oh. if you think Marco Gonzalez is a four <laughs> starter like he is, he is a number one starter in the exactly. big leagues it is, it, is in, it is insane how underrated he is I've been thinking about it too with, with a pitcher like Marco a prep guy like Marco this has to be a golden age given how much information that he can acquire about himself and about the opponents he's facing too, because there's so much, we've never had more information. I, I think what, what's been the coolest thing to see since we acquired Marco is the changes that Marco's made. You know, he came here and he was a three pitch guy primarily, four seam, uh, and then a, a curveball and a changeup. And the changeup was his standout pitch and really his go to pitch. Now he's got the four seam and the two seam. He's got the cutter. Uh, he throws the curveball. He throws the changeup. He can make the ball move in a bunch of different directions. He can pitch to a bunch of different parts of the plate. And he's really evolved. Uh, so since he came here and that's through I would like to think some of the suggestions and coaching that we've given him and also through his, his sheer desire and will um, he will do anything to beat the guy in the batter's box mm, yeah. uh, and he's constantly challenging himself to come up with something new to pitch to a part of the plate in that he didn't previously pitch to to add depth to a curveball uh, to make a changeup move a little more have a little more fade like he just it, it's such a great example of what oh, an elite competitor can do when they put their mind to it and uh, I just think it's, it's so fun to watch him just carve every five or six days i love this kid i love his demeanor and i love the fact he's willing to share that information because i heard that some young pitchers like sheffield and dunn would go in there in the meeting the pregame meeting with uh, marco on the day that he pitched so he was willing to share that information for the young players i want to talk to you about um, a couple of guys that uh, man i really felt for the last few years uh, mitch hanniger was out the last few years with three surgeries uh, when he was in the lineup, he was the best player in the ball club, an all-star in 2018. And also Tom Murphy. Nobody works harder than this guy, is stronger than this guy mentally, physically. Broken foot last year at summer camp and missed all of last season. What's it like to get these two guys back uh, behind home plate and also out there in right field? Huge additions. Huge additions on the field. Huge additions in our clubhouse. Um, you know, Mitch is our best player uh, when he's healthy. Um, he's one of the best players in the American League when he's healthy. Yeah. Um, and we think he's finally there. Um, just talking to our hitting coaches about how Mitch looks right now in the offseason. He looks physically great. His swing look his swing look great. I know he's probably like ready to break through a wall after having missed so much time <laughs> over the last couple of years. Sometimes um, you might have to pump the brakes. Sometimes. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, and that that is a, a small concern for us yes. is that he's going to be out there on day one of spring training ready to ready to scale the wall uh, and, and just attack the baseball because it's just been so long. But uh, he's an all star. He's our he's our best player uh, when he's healthy. And we have every expectation that he's going to be this year uh, on Murph. 
you know, not only the value you see on the field from Murph, which is, you know, he's, he's got real power. He can really catch. He can throw. Um, he helps lengthen our lineup. I think what people don't see is, you know, just what we touched on with Marco, the preparation. Uh, Murph's the best I've ever been around about preparing, coming into a, a pre-series meeting with a starter or with the entire staff and having a game plan for each guy and being able to carry it into a game. He really buys in to the resources that we have. He brings them to life for the pitchers um, and he makes them stick with it in the game. Uh, And that's, you know, there's just a ton of intangible value in what Murph brings to the, the table. And I think, you know, Murph's another guy. We talked about Dylan Moore earlier. Murph never really had opportunity when he was in Colorado and then obviously his brief stop in San Francisco. I think we've helped Murph a little bit. We didn't do a lot more than just give Murph opportunity to be himself and to go go be a good player. He was, you know, I'd love to give us like magic pixie dust to go make all guys a lot better. <laughs> like we just believed in the skill set he already had and helped try to help enhance it a little bit. He has taken the opportunity and run with it. He's a he's a really valuable player on and off the field. What are you most excited about in 2021? Our young players, you know, young players are so much fun uh, when you have them. And this is not a shot at older players or free agents. But when you grow up watching a player, when there's a, a player that you see from the first day they walked in the big leagues to the time they become a star. And I, I can use Kyle Lewis as the, the latest example. Um, when you see Kyle Lewis come to the big leagues and hit his first home run uh, in the big leagues and his parents are in the crowd and they're going crazy. And then you see Kyle Lewis, like all-star quality player last year. Uh, and you get to see them continue to grow up and mature and become fan favorites and, you know, become the mature versions of themselves in their prime. Like, I think we're going to see a lot of that around the diamond over the next couple of years. That's what I'm most excited about. Steps forward for Justice and Kalu and um, Justin Dunn and seeing Logan Gilbert and hopefully Jared Kelnick debut this year. Like, that's the sort of thing I think we haven't had over time here is this like continuity with young chance to be superstar type players. And we believe in all those guys have you know, with that kind of ceiling. So I think I'm just really excited to watch them all grow up in front of our eyes. Yeah, that's what I love about this organization with Jerry and you and everybody in front office has done. You've taken this farm system to make it one of the best in all the baseball and now we're seeing these kids get here evan white a gold glove last year we're going to see him hit he made the jump from double a to the big leagues but you mentioned kelnick and rodriguez and nolby Marte and logan gilbert and and the list goes on and on and on and george kirby and many many others uh, there, there's a way another wave coming and there's another wave after that i mean how exciting is that it's great and honestly it's, it's what it should be you know, this year when we had, you know, depending on the list, five or six or seven top 100 prospects, um, you know, my message was this is great. It should be this every year. Like, there's no excuse for us not developing that kind of talent year in and year out. That's my expectation for how we draft, how we develop, how we trade, um, how we take care of our, our you know, our future. We have yeah. to do that here. And, you know, so much of bad decision making is becoming undisciplined getting away from your your pillars and our pillars are going to be young players that that's what we're going to be about is developing and cultivating our own talent bringing them to the big leagues and watching them flourish in the big leagues you know i i have a saying written on my board it says discipline is the shortcut like we're not there's no shortcuts here we're not we're not going to try and you know slam on the gas and end up going in reverse because we we went too fast like we are going to pay attention and make sure that we're doing the right thing for Jared Kalanick and Julio Rodriguez and Logan Gilbert, and that when they are here, they're here for a long time, and that people get to enjoy them for a long time, because they're really, really, really good. You use the word development a lot in this conversation for good reason. You know, it's a, We talked to Scott Service here a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about when he came up through the minor league system, it was more like survival of the fittest. <laughs> it's amazing how different it is now, and the approach to 
develop. I mean, that's the right word, develop, to make players better, and, and ultimately it helps your team in the long run. I give Andy McKay a ton of credit. Um, you know, Andy's background and mental skills is has been a huge benefit to our players. I think we have one of the most progressive development systems in the league, and not just developing the player, but developing the person. And I, I said it off air. The quality of young person that we have around our, our organization now in the big leagues and in the minor leagues is as good as I've ever been around. They're just good people. Yeah. Evan White is a good person. J.P. Crawford's a good person. Um, they're good teammates. They care about the community. They want to do the right thing. Uh, that's that's a real positive for the Mariners, for our community, obviously for the organization, and for the other players on the field. They all see the example. Marco's another great example of that. You know, So many times... When Logan Gilbert comes and sees what Marco Gonzalez does to get ready to go pitch in the big leagues, that has a huge positive effect that this is the standard that I have to meet in order to be this good in the big leagues. And I think all of our players, work ethic, care factor, uh, love of the community and and want to do the right thing, they all are top of the scale. Um, And that's pretty rare to find with talented players on top of it. You just described... Your young center fielder, Kyle Lewis, the American League Rookie of the Year, unanimous choice at 262, the 11 home runs, 30-something runs batted in. I could still see him robbing Ramon Laureano of the Grand Slam home run going high over the wall in left center field at uh, T-Mobile Park uh, during last season toward the end of last year. Uh, You you mentioned work ethic. I I think Kyle took like maybe two weeks off, (laughs) two weeks off, and went right back to work saying, okay, I know what I need to do to improve for next year after winning the American League Rookie of the Year award. He's not going to sit on that. And I can't wait to see this young man at spring training and throughout the 2021 season. It's, what does that tell you about Kyle? I mean, it, it, it tells us that he understands what the standard is and, and you know how much work you have to put in to stay on top. Because the pitchers are always making adjustments, too. And to yeah. stay on top of his game and at the elite level that he showed he can be at last year, he understands that there is no resting on your laurels. And that does not shock me at all that he took two weeks off uh, and then went right back to work. Again, great, great person, great work ethic. The strides he has taken coming off the massive injuries uh, that he had um, and to work his way back to the point he is now. And then I think exceed everyone's expectations last year in terms of how quickly he acclimated to the big leagues and doing it in a way that was, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it was magnificent. Like he just you're watching all the tools out on the field. You're watching him like slash a hard line drive to right field, rob a home run, steal a base and hit a ball over the scoreboard all in yeah. you know a 24-hour <laughs> yeah. period. There's just not a lot of guys that can do all of that. Uh, his center field play was well above average in my opinion. Like it just he offers so many things to get excited about on a day-to-day basis. Those are the sort of players I think that that people gravitate to. They, you know, on top of that, and one of the best smiles in the league. So exactly. it's like there's yeah. there's a magnetism that people like do like yeah. watching him. Uh, that's it's fun to be around Kalo and fun to see those kind of tools on display. And there's a reason he was talked about as being the first pick in the draft the year that he was drafted. And, I, you know, when you get hurt, when it takes a little while to adjust, when you sort of disappear from the national landscape for a while, people forget it's not like he didn't have those tools all the time. They're just actualizing in a way that is, is really fun to watch and maybe a little faster than people expected once he got here. It was so much fun to watch Kyle last year and everybody else um, mature and get ready for this season. Talk about work ethic. Uh, you too, uh, Justin Hollander and <laughs> Hey, Jerry DePoto, so much work in that front office, and I can't wait to see everybody down at spring training and uh, get underway, get in the sun down there in Peoria, Arizona, and warm up. 
Justin, thanks for coming by. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to see you guys. Can't wait. Mariners assistant general manager Justin Hollander, vice president of baseball operations. We're going to be back with more, a lot more to talk about here on Hot Stove 2021 after this timeout. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. The stretch and the 2-0 pitch, swinging a well-hit ball deep to left field. Profar going back, and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. Dylan Moore ties it up. Here in the bottom of the eighth inning, it's the Mariners three, the Padres three, Dylan Moore's eighth home run of the year. And this is a line shot into the lower deck and left here at Petco Park. Safe Friends Baseball is just around the corner, and the best way to catch the action of the Mariners this season is with a 2021 Flex membership. It's the most flexible plan in the game, allowing you to attend the games you want, sit where you want, and spend what you want, all with no deposit required. For more information on how you can become a Flex member, text 21 to 71532. Hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Hot Stove. Rick Riz along with Gary Hill. And right now, Gary, we have a chance to visit with a young man who's really found a home with the Mariners the last couple of years. He was drafted by the Rangers, went to the Angels organization, on to the Brewers, and now he's a fixture with the Mariners. Ladies and gentlemen, very talented Dylan Moore. How you doing, kid? I'm doing well. How you guys? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's nice to have you here. Tell us a little bit about uh, where you are right now and how's your offseason been? It's been good. I'm in Orlando, Florida. Sunny, hot, warm Orlando, Florida. Um, looking forward to get to Arizona, but right now I'm just hanging with the fam here in here in Orlando. My offseason has been great. I've been working and um, you know a little bit smaller groups these days, but uh, it's been it's been fun. I'm ready to go. What are you looking most forward to in this upcoming season? I, I mean, I think I think I speak for everyone when I say that that you know it's time for the Mariners to win. We put we put together a good ball club of uh, some young guys and, and like a core group of guys and. Now we kind of got to put a full season together. You know, it, it starts It starts with, you know, um, the leaders that we have and, and Marco on the pitching side and Kyle Seeger, you know, teaching us how to play the game right and, you know, kind of going through those those aches and pains of, of, of a rebuild, uh, so, so to speak. And um, now it's time to win. So I'm looking forward to having a, having a solid season with the guys and kind of um, being a little bit selfless and, 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 and um, looking forward to, to playing together as a team and winning as a team. I thought you had a heck of a year last year, Dylan, after you missed summer camp because of a COVID-19 positive test. Uh, then you got ready for that 2020 season, and then you had to sit out the first uh, four games. You finally got in there in game number five and really had a good year. How, did, how were you able to get through that and put the, together the season you had last year? Well, I knew with, with you know the work that I had put in the previous offseason uh, combined with what I had learned from my rookie year, 2019, I knew that all I needed was a chance to show that I could be a consistent everyday player. And so, you know, I just kind of waited patiently for my chance. And um, you're right, there was a little bit of, you know, a bump in the road in, in summer camp. And then, uh, you know, the first four-game series, I wasn't, uh, I, I didn't, I wasn't able to get in the game. But uh, I knew that, I knew I had to be patient and waited for my opportunity because I knew when it came, I was ready to go because I had worked, uh, you know, I worked my butt off to um, become a better baseball player overall and, and kind of, um you know, just get better at what I wasn't good at the previous season. And um, so I just kind of went for it when I uh, got the chance and uh, uh, it ended up working out for me. 
It's really amazing looking at your year last year. I mean, you played everywhere on the infield. You started everywhere on the infield. You started everywhere on the outfield, and that was in a shortened season. What do you do to try and stay sharp and be so good at so many different spots, seemingly just going from one spot to another without missing a beat? Yeah, you know, it's tough. I found a little bit of a pretty good balance in between, um, you know, get, if I can try to get some early work in the outfield and then um, do my infield with all the guys or vice versa if I'm playing the outfield. Um, but, you know, you kind of just got to, you got to take it day by day and kind of see where you are and see where I'm at in the lineup and then uh, kind of go from there. So I don't want to, I don't want to overwork myself uh, too much in a, in a, in a short season. I found maybe I was doing a little bit too much. So I kind of backed off and made it. Uh, you know, day by day, uh, if I was playing the infield, work more infield, outfield, uh, likewise. So um, over the course of 162 here coming up, I'm ready for, I'm ready for whatever. And um, you know, I, I got to strike a good balance to be able to, uh, you know, play uh, day in and day out. Visiting with Mariners uh, infielder outfielder Dylan Moore. Dylan, what has Jerry Depoto or Scott Service uh, told you about uh, where you may be getting more of your at bats this year? Will it be at second base or out in left field or the outfield? Um, I, I'm not really sure. I think that I'm going into the into the into spring training trying to win a spot. Um, I think that you know being pushed by being pushed by uh, uh, players on the same team to win a spot makes us better. And I think that you know I'm going in with the mindset that I want to I don't want to be handed anything. I want to I want to be be deserving of the of the spot that I that I um, that I am given. And so I'm just I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go at second. I'm ready to go in the outfield. I'm ready to go wherever. So. Um, and that's kind of what's been value, made me a valuable player as I can do all of that. But, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going wherever they want me. You know, I'm a baseball player. Wherever you put me in a lineup, I just want to hit and, and play well. And then, like I said earlier, help this, help this Mariner team get on, back on the winning record. Okay, so when you are sitting down in the offseason and you're getting ready to make your glove order for the next year, which I assume you've already done, how many gloves do you end up ordering for yourself? Oh, man, I mean, I have to have at least – you know, I have to have at least two for the infield and at least two for for the outfield, kind of depending on on uh, you know where I play. But uh-huh. um, you know, I was I was hesitant to get a first baseman this year because you know that guy on the island is pretty good. And, yeah, um, won't be needing a lot of uh, you know help over there. But um, I do have a first baseman, and uh, the only thing I probably don't have is Kevin Smith. I thought we'll try and stay out of that realm. But um, yeah, no, I got I got many gloves, and I got to keep track of them all. And, <laughs> Just be ready when my name is called. You didn't order a catcher's mitt just for fun? You know, why not just throw another one in the bag? <laughs> no, because I think that fun would turn into, hey, uh, you know, yeah. we're, we need an emergency catcher Dylan, you're in there, and then, you know, something bad might really happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, don't, you don't want to go back there. You don't want to go back there. Hey, let's talk about gloves, and in, in particular, gold gloves. You had a gold glove winner on your left, and Evan White is a rookie winning the gold glove. Last year, and also on your right, there's a Gold Glove winner. He won his first Gold Glove, J.P. Crawford at shortstop. What's it like playing between those two guys? You know, when you're out there at second base, and and how much have they helped you uh, defensively? Oh man, it's awesome. It's it's really awesome. Those two guys are very deserving of that award. I was very happy, um, you know, to see that they they got those awards. You know, tremendous work work ethic they have, and um, you know, it's awesome. The defense is is a huge part of the game that often gets overlooked, and I think to have a guy at first base who can take it, who can throw it, who, you know, who can really command that, that part of the field, I think is a big help, especially when we're trying to make plays, you know, that are not routine and the throw may not be, you know, right on the money. Um, we know that we can kind of let it go if it's a close play and, 
and you know it's a game changer. He can pick it out of the, you know out of the sky as as we've seen. And um, you know it, it's definitely a game changer. And JP, you know he's 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 come a long way. And you know Bones helped him out a lot. And I, I've seen the changes. And he's 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 done he's done really well. And you know we're all really proud of him. And it's 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 really fun. I think that a lockdown defense as short, you know, all, all around. And especially those two guys who, you know, you know, obviously one gold gloves. It's, it's very, it's, it's a big part of the game and it can, it can save a lot of runs for the pitchers. It's really been fun to watch your development as a hitter and you had quite a season last year. What do you attribute uh, to your development as a hitter? What's been your biggest key? I'm um, just trying to keep it simple. I think uh, the biggest thing that I did was, um, just uh, there was a little bit of uh, swing and miss in my 2019 campaign. Mm. Um, you know, I was uh, surprised by you know maybe how uh, how sharp you know how 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 quick the pitches were you know with the spin rate and everything. And so I kind of just told myself I need to I need to be able to uh, hit the ball with more consistency uh, because I knew that when I did that in my 2019 campaign I hit it hard and I was able to hit for extra base hits and home runs. Um, but I just wasn't doing it consistently. So I kind of just made my bat path a little more direct to the ball. And, um, you know, just, just uh, my, you know, I, I took everything that I, that I learned from my 2019 campaign and, um, you know, I kind of made it, made adjustments along the way and uh, kind of went from there and uh, with regards to hitting. I remember talking to you last year about the adjustment that you made offensively. And you said you were keeping the barrel of your bat in the hitting zone longer now, who helped you with that, and, and what did that allow you to do, Dylan? Yeah, that allowed me to, uh, you know, uh, D. Gordon, uh, he's also an Orlando fellow. He, he helped me out a lot uh, over the summer and uh, and last year during the offseason. And, you know, he's he's a contact guy, and I knew I was I wanted to head more into that direction. And um, he helped me out a lot. He's, you know, he's a great leader and a great, great friend. And, um, uh, you know, just you want to increase your opportunity for uh, your margin of error, I mean. You know, so staying in the, in the zone longer would help help me kind of ride out some off-speed pitches and also uh, being shorter to the ball will help me get to those 99-mile-an-hour uh, fastballs. Is it with Mariner Dylan Moore? Dylan, last year we saw Kyle Lewis win the American League Rookie of the Year award, a unanimous selection. We saw Justice Sheffield and Justin Dunn in that starting rotation. Evan White at first base. Uh, we saw you really come on strong uh, last year. What are you seeing right now in this Mariners organization as far as the young players getting their way to the big leagues? Oh man, there's just there's just so much room for growth. I think that um, we have a good mix of the young guys who are who are hungry and who 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 have gone through the struggles and understand kind of what they need to do and and in order to to play at this level uh, level and have it have success at this level. And so I see, you know, what I see is a lot of guys who are hungry to learn and hungry to get better and. Um, you know, that's a great thing to see. And when they have success, you know, it's deserving. And, you know, you, you, you go through this game long enough to have, you know, you go, obviously it's a game of failure. And so you fail a lot, but to see them succeed and to see all of us kind of succeed together and, and forming this, this group of guys that, that becomes a team and, and we can move forward together. I think it's, it's really awesome to see. And I'm, I'm very excited. I was recently talking to some of the number guys in the organization, and they just gushed about you and what you've been doing. How much do you pay attention to analytics and lean on that stuff and what you do hitting? Besides looking at my at my own swing, if maybe I see something or, or you know the coaches see something that we should work on, um, the analytics side of it, I kind of lean towards what the opposing pitcher will be mm. will be featuring, what he'll be throwing, what his tendencies are, stuff like that. Um, as far as my numbers, I, I don't try to get into it too much. Um, 
and kind of just let those let those fall where they may. And obviously, you know, you can you, you'll know if there's something you know if your K rate is super high. Obviously, we got to fix that. But um, when when they dive too deep into the numbers, I think that's that's thinking a little bit too much for me. But I will get into um, a lot of the analytics on the pitching side. You know, kind of like maybe their spin rate. You know, if we need to. Um, get on top of this guy more because you know he only throws 90 but he's got a high spin rate and looks harder stuff like that I think that I'm more analytically involved on that side of, of, of the ball Dylan last year in the 2020 season <laughs> uh, you guys played a shortened season 60 games in the midst of a pandemic the Mariners marketing department really did I thought a a heck of a job. They did their best in a tough situation to create some kind of a, an atmosphere at the ballpark with no fans. You know, you had the faces of the fans on cardboard cutouts and and uh, the crowd noise and everything. What was it like playing all those games with no fans in the stands all of last year? It was definitely interesting. Um, you know, I was I was. It was really cool to see every time we came back from a road trip how many how many more uh, cutouts there were in the, kept in the growing, stands. Didn't I mean, it kept growing. We almost filled that whole thing up. Yeah, I know. We almost filled the whole thing up, so I think that was really cool. Um, yeah, with the with the you know the the fake crowd noise, you know, and all that stuff, and I think it allowed uh, another thing it allowed was there was a couple more cameras put around with different views of the game. I thought there was a couple really cool shots. Um, you know, that camera running up and down the left field line, and then the one right behind the dugout that's rolling back and forth. I think that created a new, you know, it, 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 consequentially it, with no fans, it created a new kind of. Um, viewpoint for the fan for the fans at home and i thought that was really cool um yeah that was that was a pretty cool pretty cool feature absolutely what would you like to tell the fans about this year's ball club coming up oh man i mean uh i hope, hope to have them back as soon as possible obviously yeah. we want to be safe and healthy for everyone uh, obviously but um man i'm excited I'm, I'm really excited to kind of show what we got i think this town deserves deserves uh, more of a winning culture and I hope that we can I'm, I'm confident that we can we can bring that back to them and um, you know they're very loyal fans and you know it's a, it's a it's kind of the only place uh, up there you know that's it's we're kind of far away from everything but so those guys are pretty loyal and uh, you know we want to give them a good ball club and and uh, a lot of wins and exciting baseball so that you know they want to come want to come back to the to the ballpark but um, yeah I would just say you know everyone stay healthy and um, stay safe, and we'll see you when we see you. And then hopefully we can we can uh, we can turn this thing around. Absolutely, can't wait to see fans in the stands, and I can't wait to see uh, Dylan Moore uh, back in a Mariners uniform in the 2021 season. Kid, thanks a lot for joining us here in Hot Stove, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Mariners infielder and outfielder Dylan Moore. More continues on Hot Stove 2021. I'm Rick Riz along with Gary Hill. We'll be back right after this timeout. 